Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to your making it worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. Well, everyone, if you have not joined our Patreon yet, this week is one hell of a week to do it. I just rattled through a list of things that I've Googled over the past three and three and a half months. Uh, this is a semi-tradition on uh, on our Patreon, and the list is shocking, <laughs> horrifying, and very, very dark. I so. literally, literally, as soon as Brent started, I had to ask him, is there anything incriminating that you might not want to say? <laughs> <laughs> Just as a friend, I want to warn. So Alan no, was it's... genuinely concerned I would... I would give hints as to who I've murdered. Reveal. You never yeah, know. Reveal. You never know. I'm just trying to look out for friends. That's yeah. all. You know. But it, this yeah. is a, this is a great week to join because it's 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 unhinged in the best of ways. In the best of ways. So yeah. so check that out. Uh, but without further ado, uh, we want to talk about our textual healing this week is about Tim Scott, Ooh. a Republican senator from South Carolina who is also running for president. But the problem is, Tim is a lifelong bachelor, which means in Republican circles, they all assume he must be gay. What is it with South He's Carolina? Uh, yeah, that's right, because Lindsey Graham yeah. is also a uh, lifelong Lindsey bachelor. Quite a feminine, I would say, for... Well, regardless of that, I mean, it's just strange to have two senators, statewide yeah. senators, elected officials, that are lifelong bachelors. Like, you don't have that that often. And Republicans. Yeah. And, well, I mean, the Republican part... Well, I guess that's surprising too, but it's it's more just in general having an elected official that isn't married is and isn't like a widower or something is kind of like a it you don't see it that often. I was I was going to get to this later, but I'm going to just going to jump ahead right now. I we've talked about him before on the podcast, but Tom Cotton, who is a Republican senator from Arkansas, I would describe as an effete man, and he also was a lifelong bachelor until the day he decided to launch his Senate campaign. Oh he, wow! Like, had a shotgun wedding, like I think he, yeah. he like eloped with some like DC socialite like the weekend before he launched his campaign. And I'm like, that guy. And it just go Google Tom Cotton and like listen to his voice. Well, and it, it's like a just, Zach Galifianakis joke. That's just it though, that like, you know, city council people, state like citywide people, like those kind of offices you see single people, unmarried people being elected to office. And that's, that's fairly normal. I mean, look at AOC, look at so many different examples of like represent us house of representative people who are single, but for statewide, it's such a bigger electorate that I feel yeah. like the family thing is often like the thing they lean into for votes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, back, back to, back to Mr. Tim Scott. Now that he's running for president, there's increased scrutiny on his personal life. And lo and behold, the 57-year-old lifelong bachelor is suddenly talking about a girlfriend. Ooh. But here's the best part. He won't name her and no one has seen her yet. Now, <laughs> she lives in Canada. Don't worry. Don't worry. Their courtship couldn't be more normal. Senator Scott claims a picture of the woman was texted to him, texted to him by a church friend. Yeah. He, quote, prayed on asking her out. <laughs> they may or may not have met for the first time at the zoo. They've had at least one dinner together. 
They've had an online Bible study Ooh. and they've played pickleball. And if he gets the nomination, he's planning on marrying her, which, according to the article, it doesn't sound like she knows about yet. If, so he, gets the that... no if he gets the nomination, he'll propose, which is like, that's yeah. a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, and right. I love, and so in the, I think it was originally a Washington Post article, uh, he was like, oh, I haven't told her that. Don't don't tell them that. Oh, my God. Don't, don't oh write God. that in the article. You're like, Jesus, you I fucking dipshit. I fucking hate. There's also, you know, the other thing, I mean, just not outside of Tim Scott, on the Democratic side, I remember when Cory Booker was elected uh, senator from New Jersey, and he was a very famous mayor in New Jersey, and he had a big profile, and he was famously yep. single. And then yeah. he started dating. I don't know if it was after he was U.S. senator or as he was running. I forget. I think it was after. But he started dating the actress Rosario, Rosario <laughs> Dawson. And right. I, I'm not. I don't want to infer on the. I hate inferring on the sexuality of anybody. However. Oh. However, on the Democratic side, if I had to, the fakest relationship I've seen in recent years is probably Cory Booker and Rosario Dawson, and that yeah. feels a bit beardy to me. And I just, yeah. I'm, I'm throwing it out there, but I'm also like. Like she kind of sucks too. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. really. I, don't know. I, I actually, do, I, for some reason, I find Cory Booker just like, uh, like his. Track I love his politics. Like, I love his politics. His politics are great. His track record is very genuine. Like he was, you know, he lived in the community that he served and all these things. But like, there's something about him I find kind of contrived, and I, I don't know what it is. But yeah. I just, I don't like him. As I don't love him. But regardless, very eager. Uh, yes. Here's so. Here's my question again. Back to back to Senator Scott. Here's my question. Is the press allowed to ask if Senator Scott is a virgin? Oh. Because for such a religious guy, I would be surprised if he confessed to sex out of wedlock. Did they ask that? No. Okay. But I, I mean, that's my question. Is the press, and we count as the press, <laughs> are we allowed to ask if, if, like, Senator Scott's a virgin? Well, you're not allowed to ask anything. I mean, yes, of course. Like, that's freedom of speech. But I, I, I think it's just... It's just insensitive and irrelevant and kind of like just icky. It's just something that like I, I kind of am like I wouldn't I, for any politician, Republican or Democrat. I'm just kind of like I, I really don't unless you're doing unless your sex life act like actively is contradicting your politics then perhaps that's a relevant question. Like if you're yeah. if you're out here being like, I hate gay people and you're actively having gay sex and there's proof of yeah, it or yeah, there's rumors right. of it, then yeah, you should be called out for that shit. But if it's just to amp up his sort of like personality so that he can get votes in a presidential election, to me, I'm yeah. just kind of like, well, no, fuck that. That's weird. Like, it's just yeah. weird. I agree. Yeah, no, has I, anybody I, ever said they were or like, I guess that's I guess that's what I mean by that. I'm not trying to belittle Tim Scott. I think I'm trying to kind of I'm trying to like needle the absurdity of the religious right um, oh. in that in that like we have someone running for president who is not married. They tend to have extremely right now. The party tends to have extremely conventional views on sexuality. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's really what I'm trying to get at, which is like our like. It, it, like, should he be proud of being a virgin? Is he allowed to be? Is a is someone who's had sex out of wedlock allowed to run for president as a Republican? I mean, I, I, I obviously that sounds a little extreme. That you know, even Republicans, of course, believe <laughs> that you can have sex out of wedlock sometimes. But I don't know. Maybe if you're running for president, it's a little different. I don't, I don't know. know. I feel like another example of that is in a different way. But Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, in that. You know, here we were, the Democratic Party, the the champion of women's rights in a lot of ways, the champion of, you know, minority rights in a lot of ways. And in 1992, when they were running, they definitely forced a traditional relationship between Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, right down to the point where she had to conform for him to get votes. And I mean, that was probably a directive on his part. Like he had to change. She had to change in order to display this traditional relationship, when in reality, we know those two ain't boinking that much. She's given him political yeah. advice and she, that she's going to make him president. Like, and that's what, yeah. that's what excites me about her. And I think it's the sim it's, it's a similar thing. It's like, we want to force these politicians because of the parties they're in into certain bubbles so that they get the votes that they need for whatever election they're running for. When it's like, I don't know. I feel like the American electorate is actually, 
is more nuanced than what people give them credit for. And Republicans and Democrats alike, voters on both mm-hmm. sides, I think are actually more nuanced because look, Republicans voted for a fucking crazy dude for president and he became president. That was the completely unconventional Republican candidate. And Democrats did something bold and, and elected Barack Obama, a, a fairly unconventional candidate against a, against another candidate that was a you know standard person that was yep. literally you know who we wanted to be. And yet- we went in a different direction. So I give the voters a little bit of credit, I think. Yeah. What are your what are your thoughts, Elliot? I guess I when you said that um that the like Republicans the way they feel about sexuality feels you know almost archaic now. I don't know if I'd agree with that. Like it feels to me like that's a very small subsect of them that's trying to catch on this anti-gay, anti-trans language that still feels small yet mighty but mm-hmm. i guess i i think that there 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 is nuance to it and that if most people are totally fine with gay marriage then i'm i'm still kind of surprised that they would be this interested in tim scott i mean it's it's interesting in that it's like salacious and you know like 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 it's it, it's a salacious story and and you know, you want to hear the superficial with someone like this because he's kind of putting everything else out there on the line. But I don't know. I, I'm 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 not sure anybody. I'm, I'm not sure. Like it asking if he's a like a virgin is as is as interesting as asking if he's like he's. I think he's just making it worse for himself right now. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, he's just in general making it worse for himself. He's a dope of a politician who can't seem to run a a campaign or even like when he was on the view talking i mean yeah Yeah. and sure he's against a lot of different voices that are completely against everything he stands for but at the same time he just kept like answering in the stupidest ways and i was just like dude you're fucking running for president like come on be bold do something very roundabout answers I i think what i'm thinking of is uh is you know when republicans run for president they really really have to i mean both sides do this they have to appeal appeal to the base and i was reading something on instagram about how ron desantis um uh gave a speech at the pray vote stand summit recently and he promised this this language is just so intense to me he promised to quote put on the full armor of God in his fight for the religious right. Um, I just, I, I guess that's really what I'm talking to. I, I I don't mean that the average Republican voter gives a fuck whether Tim Scott is, is a virgin or not, but I feel like these voters, and quite frankly, I think the ones who will probably ultimately decide who is selected to be the Republican candidate, um, they are the ones that, that I think do really care uh, about the ins and outs of, they, of everyone's I yeah, sexuality. I think they do for sure. Well, but that's that's also just it. The during a primary, you're not trying to appeal to the base necessarily. You're trying to appeal to a very specific niche of the base that polling has said you need in order to win the primary. And then yeah. when you get to the general, you appeal to the base, which is a lot more nuanced or a lot more broad and a lot more. You can kind of not be so crazy in your language necessarily. I mean, yeah, Trump yeah. wasn't, but you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. Well, regardless, um, uh, a couple journalists sort of tried to ascertain a little bit more about yeah. Senator Scott's sexuality, and and uh, and they asked him whether he was able to describe Elliot's bedroom because ultimately, <laughs> ninety ninety five percent of gay men have seen Elliot's bedroom, and and Senator Scott was able to talk a little bit about a disheveled twister mat that has chocolate sauce on it, so he was correct in that regard, but. Otherwise, he was light on details. So experts are beginning to think that he might, in fact, be heterosexual or, or might have only seen Ellie's bedroom via your, webcam or something. Your like reference that. to me and Twister Mats and chocolate sauce is so ingrained in your head. Yeah. <laughs> it goes like, why so, the chocolate like, sauce? Because <laughs> I like sweet things. Yeah, but. Okay. Well, the, the Twister, the Twister Mat of it all is like a, like a 70s bit. Like, ooh, she likes sex so much. Like, a teenager's view of sexuality <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's literally what i picture elliot because he's always with like different gentlemen and he's always doing these wild crazy things so i think of elliot's sexuality as either like a horny 90s mom on a sitcom or like a, a teenager trying things for the first time <laughs> wild crazy things i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> wild crazy things 
What wild, crazy things? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not even joking. We're here with actor Jeffrey Self, um, actor, well, YA novelist, uh, mm-hmm. comedian, I guess, if you will. I mean, you do you do a little bit of everything, Jeffrey. I mean, just sort of anything for a buck, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just recently saw your. I mean, because it, it came up on Peacock. Like, I have this like the channels thing that Peacock has. Uh, in your episode of Thirty Rock popped up. In, oh, did it? Well, that's nice. In sort of the channels thing. Yeah. So were it, was, they, it was very nice. They were doing like a like a retrospective on gays well, who almost had had it happen. <laughs> no, no, no. It was just they were showing all the great Thirty Rock episodes. Okay. So be proud. Yes, because you played um liz's cousin randy lemon that's right yeah that was great that was um Um, i feel like that was a moment it was a moment that felt like a moment that was going to really happen no i i i I had never uh i'd never like been on a tv or film set or like audition for anything before so it was really cool yeah and i uh but i did think like I, i really i mean i really at the time was like oh this is this is it you know totally. here we go yeah. and yeah. then uh and then that uh did not happen but <laughs> yeah, here but, we I are mean, <laughs> i, I kind of think it not happening like i mean well it did happen in many different ways sure sure, sure 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 i kind of think like it not ha- manifesting in the way you ki- like when things don't manifest in the way that you hope they do sure. i feel like it kind of makes you a better performer better i think, writer, I, think better so. everything, I mean i know? feel like we've all probably all four of us have had moments of like okay here we go yeah. <laughs> oh, my mom yeah. wants a beach house um <laughs> but um uh you know and then it you know they not uh not going the way you you <laughs> think there's been um and that was a nice intro to yeah. you know now yeah. almost two decades of, of that um but you work very consistently i think i do you're very you know you're a real self-starter you've been in search party hot in cleveland uh desperate housewives <laughs> and this i love the hot in cleveland that's my i do too i, I, I mean, wanted that one in there i like i like the idea of just like you know such similar shows search party and hot in cleveland <laughs> i mean wendy you malick go, really is <laughs> very arpalia you go around telling people, you know, Hot in Cleveland is your number one credit. And I got drunk with Wendy Malick at the rap party for Hot in Cleveland. It was <laughs> a wonderful nice. night. Oh, it that's was a wonderful nice. night. A yeah. friend of mine did a play with her, and apparently she has horses in Malibu, which to me is like, well, <laughs> great. I mean, yeah. I also just wonder, like, money. how does, like, but does yeah. Wendy Malick have horse money? She's, I don't know. Oh, she never of... Just shoot me. That was like a yeah. syndicated was show. That big? Oh, it was on forever. Yeah. Was it? I don't even know. I and she, it really. she was brilliant on it. I feel like she's also been like, she's probably had like, talk about somebody who's like, this is the moment. I feel like she's probably <laughs> had like a billion pilots that were like supposed <sighs> to make her the next thing. But I mean, she really, she's about to do a play at Pasadena Playhouse. Not to, that makes it sound like she's really doing badly, but she, um, but they do cool plays. They do. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I'm very sad that I literally, that was like when I was leaving LA, it was like, oh, fuck, I, I should, should I like delay it by a couple of weeks so I can yeah. see Wendy Malick wow. in this play? That would, that would be peak gay if you delayed Wendy would be. Uh, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I, I do want to ask you though, why, why did you decide to go back to New York City? Why did you, why you leave, why did you leave LA? Um, The court order. No, um, I, uh, I really thought that strike wasn't going to end you guys. I really made the wrong move. Um, No, I, um, I'd been thinking about it for a long time. I basically right before COVID really wanted to um, move back. And like when I was doing search party, you know, we were here for like, you know, months at a time. And so it was really nice. And I'd get to like have my New York fixed. Um, Cause I lived here before that, uh, you know, like 13 years ago. And then um, I, when search party ended was like, okay, I'll go back to New York. And then I like never came really and was really missing it. And I don't know, I just kind of, 
LA was a nice fit for about five years for me. And then for the, for the next, uh, is that eight, uh, years, it's been sort of like, uh, it's been nice. I've really, I, I love all my friends and I love going to target and I love, um, <laughs> pavilions. <laughs> um, I do, I literally do go to target like pretty much or did. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, pretty much every day. Um, and I really loved all that. Um, and I liked, you know, so much of it, but I really miss, I mean, at the end of the day, I just want to like be going to see a fucking musical every night. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to, yeah. And kind of want to get involved in that world like a little bit. Mm. And like, I don't even know if it's like as an actor or maybe to write something or, I don't know. Yeah. Be a publicist. I don't know. Yeah. Have you? <laughs> no. Have you and August? My dog is getting in. Sorry, Cheech. We love Cheech. Hold on. Cheech is. Hold on. Come here. Come here. He's trying to get in his airline carrier bag because he likes. <laughs> he uh, wants in. <laughs> it's very sweet. Have it's you? Very, and, oh, he's trying to. Have yeah, you and Augie? Um, we had August Augie, um, on the podcast a few months ago. Have you guys that's lived? Right. A, that's your husband. Have you yeah. lived apart, uh, like regularly? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, he's moving here too, of course. But yeah. um, but uh, oh yeah, like, I mean, you know, he like works a lot as an he actor, does, yeah. and it's like usually in some exciting locale. Like he was in New Zealand for six months during COVID. Yeah, um, wow. and oh, wow. I only went for like a couple months. But yeah, I I feel like I don't think we'd still be married if we weren't constantly apart. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, I don't oh, think oh, I could. Oh. I don't th- with anybody. I don't think I could be married to anybody for like a long period of time and and not uh, have long patches without each other. I think I it's need, really I nice. need like, lots of me time. It's it's yeah, I'm, I'm learning that. I mean, obviously, I've known that about myself for a long time. But like, I. In like fantasy relationships, I'm like we we hang out like every other weekend. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I was gonna be like that, but I'm not really uh, like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, you know, yeah, I mean, when we're together, it's lovely. Obviously, <laughs> um, that'd be a bad thing if it wasn't. Of but course. um, we uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's this is probably one of the longer periods of time. Well, that's not even true because we were apart this summer for a month. He went to England and I didn't. Um, I was going to say this is one of the longest periods of time we've been actually in the same place, but that's so not true. Um, but we, I don't know, we both really enjoy it. I think he would like for me to be a little better at communicating when we're apart because I hate talking oh. on the phone mm-hmm. and I yeah, and FaceTime. Too. I like won't do FaceTime. Oh, wow. Um, I, I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, it's not unlike what we're doing right now where I keep like, you know, I keep being like, oh, if I do this, my chin looks better. But um, I, I hate it. And I also just get distracted and I don't like, you know, just being like, yeah, what did you do today? Oh, that's cool. Okay. Right. Um, so I'm not very good at the long distance thing because I just am like, okay, well, you'll exist again when you're back here in my yeah. life. Um, but yeah. uh, he's very not, he wants to actually communicate, which is, you know, a good thing in a partner. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I always thought when I I remember before the pandemic I was traveling a bunch and I my boyfriend would FaceTime me and I was never a big FaceTimer because I always treated communication especially digital communication like oh I have a point to the conversation you totally. there's a point A there's a point B and you end it whereas like I learned that you don't need that yeah, you like, can you meander just be you could just meander and be on FaceTime and watch like an episode of The Office together and like just be chill. You and can, I, I, but I never I, realized that. That truly sounds like hell to me. Like watching a TV <laughs> yes. episode and having to communicate about it through TV uh, through a yes. phone. It's like no, 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 no. Um, uh, but uh, but we yes, we have uh, we've been like married now for like almost six years, I guess. So we've been together wow. for like eight um well, and a lot of that has like been two months together. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna we're, we're supposed to have lunch in uh december <laughs> so i'm really excited for that <laughs> already figuring out well, what i'm gonna order um, jeffrey i want to ask you about your your ya novels um, uh-huh. young adult i mean young adult fiction in general is just huge but you had Fifty Shades of Gay and okay. People a Spotter's Guide which i think is lovely what uh-huh. like what was it about young adult novels and young adult in general did that you wanted to go into like what what did you like about that um okay well first of all those first two books i want to say i don't really like um and <laughs> um and try to totally like, go buy bury, them tell yeah. everyone to go buy them yeah good luck finding them um but uh <laughs> maybe at like the strand rare books edition section but um 
no the both of those first two books though i will say i did the thing you're like like supposed to i guess they tell you like people who are smart tell you not to do which is like not to write a book just for money and yeah. and what's most depressing about those books is like i wrote it for like one of them for like you know like eight thousand dollars or something you know so it's like it wasn't even like i was buying a boat but right. um so um, but there were not, both not like, beach house know. money we know that no yeah. no 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 still still no beach house money but um i um but with both of those like i had like i think it just moved to la yeah and like someone like messaged me on like twitter and was like offered me a book deal and i was like sure wow. but then i didn't you know i didn't know what i was fucking doing and so they both kind of suck so anyway i um don't really i try not to, i always like leave them out but um so thanks for bringing them out um then the ya novels um i all i actually really like ya like as a reader and i especially at that point, I feel like I was really into reading YA, specifically um, the author David Levithan, who ended up being my editor of both of my books uh, for Scholastic. Mm. And so that was just like a really cool opportunity to collaborate with him. And, um, you know, the first idea, the first one, Drag Teen, was, I mean, as simple as like, I just had that title idea uh, and thought maybe I should write a book of inspired by this title um and it was really fun and i really it was a great experience and then off the back of that did my other one a very very bad thing uh which i also really enjoyed writing um i don't know if i'd write another YA novel now but for as something to do that felt that a creative thing to do um in a professional way when i was like you know i was like 26 or 7 or something it was like a really nice um i don't know it was just like a, a, a nice like way to learn how to write i guess mm -hmm. um yeah. and like you're allowed to be a little overwrought and um angsty and uh emotional and sensitive and sort of childlike in a way that you can't really get away with in adult fiction and so it was a really nice um i don't know way to to experience that stuff and i also like i think also in retrospect i didn't think about this at the time but it's something i've thought about lately is like i didn't i homeschooled myself in high school and so I didn't really have any kind of like teenage experience. I like was homeschooling myself and I had no friends my own age. And I just was like friends with like middle-aged women at the community theater. And like, I didn't really have a, like <laughs> a teenage like a life. I mean, it, I mean, come on. Um, uh, but uh, so I didn't really have a teenage life. And so I think mm -hmm. on some level, like when I did get to do those, those YA books, there was like a, you know, uh, living vicariously yeah. through what I was writing. Uh, Wait, a bit. but I, yeah. oh, sorry. Um, no, that's it. You said you homeschooled yourself, which literally makes it seem like you were like teaching yourself. <laughs> Teacher and And so, like, yeah, tell was, me, like you have to tell play. me a little bit more about that. Yeah, um, I grew up in a small town in Georgia, and I was like afraid. I mean, I was afraid to go to high school, but I was kind of like, I there was just like there were like two, there were multiple options, but they were all pretty didn't seem great for you know a flaming you know 14 year old um and I was just really like avoidant of the idea and uh my parents were kind of pushovers and I just like <laughs> bulldozed them into letting me I found this program I online um this was like two this would have been 2000 I started high school in 2001 in September if you uh, that paints any kind of imagery for you and <laughs> and um and um I um uh so it was like you know early, not early days internet but you know not what we have now yeah. and um I found this program based out of Ojai California wow. that was like a correspondence course that like a lot of professional <laughs> actors used like I think oh, wow. Frankie Muniz is one of my um, uh -oh. alumni uh, peers, <laughs> um, but um, it was some of the Duffs, perhaps. But um, <laughs> the um, uh, so I found this thing and basically like convinced my parents, which wasn't hard because like my dad worked in Tennessee at the time and was only home like two days in the weekend and my mom had a full-time job and like my I'm the youngest and my sister was like a full fucking drug addict mess at the time and like my brother was like an adult with kids and so like no one was really paying attention and so they were just kind of like sure fine and I did this program and really just fucking 
and slept my way through all four years of <laughs> online high school. I mean, you, I basically that quickly, like a dream. it was great. Oh, I quickly figured yeah. out like I could just wait until the end of the year, do it all in like a month. Cause all my lessons yeah. were like pre-done. You could work at your own pace, which for me was just oh. not to work. And I would just like sit around and I was just like read plays every day. And like, oh. I'd like bike to the library and like, like read Neil Simon plays. Yeah. So like, <laughs> and then like, and then at the time, like Netflix discs were a big thing. And we had, yeah. I had like the three discs unlimited, I think. And so I was just watching movies all the time wow. and I'd get up every morning and watch the view I'd okay. like make make like an Uncle Ben's well, rice bowl. It was it Joy, was Joy lovely. Behar, Joy Behar is a former teacher, so I, I mean, you kind of had a teacher. Right. Precisely, precisely. Yes. That was that how. Sounds like a dream. I remember just resenting every single fucking person in high school and hating them because I knew uh, I was better than them, uh, and yeah. I knew that I was smarter and didn't want to be there, and so I just totally. wanted out of it. And my mom totally. would let me like skip school a bunch, and I got good grades mm -hmm. and shit. But I was just like, these people are losers. And yeah. If you're you're still losers. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Elliot, did they you are. ever skip? I see. I was. I came from that background where, like, you just you could not miss any school. You had to be very sick if you were gonna, if you were gonna be, if you were gonna miss school. Like, were you allowed to skip, Elliot, at all? Um, <clears throat> no, I wasn't allowed to skip, but I also had <clears throat> chronic anxiety and the thought of not having the regimented element of going to school and being <laughs> just being having a full schedule was too too fear inducing so that's what that gave you anxiety it wasn't the school it was the regiment of school that provided you respite from anxiety I, I, I still remember like senior year being like what am i going to do without <laughs> a schedule what will college do without a schedule were you a good student i bet you're a good student i was a good student but i was better at kind of schmoozing my way into good yeah, grades I, like I, yeah. I i somehow got credit i swear to you like senior year i somehow got valid school credit by somehow like talking my way into a job in the main office with four middle-aged women where i like answered they like gave me stuff and i it was the dream yeah. I, they oh wow I did that. I did that too. I, I, my mother would let me skip school to go see the because I had to see the first showing of movies of movies that I was obsessed with. I had to see the I had to see the noon Friday first showing release day of films, and my mom would be like, "Okay, you're into it." And a teacher found out, and they were like, "Okay, you can only do this if you actually write about the film." And I'm like, "I can do that." Yeah. Oh yeah. Skip school to they, that was the thing they would let me do with this program is they would like I'd be in a play and they'd like at the community theater and they'd like let me like write a report about it and that would be like yeah. great um my yeah. pe was going to yoga with my mom i mean oh, wow. and, and she had to like write a report about what like what we did in yoga as like my, your my like, pe teacher yeah, yeah, yeah georgia yeah. were you in i is this was like a i was just gonna say rural yeah. yoga rural in rural is, georgia in the it's not that like... rural yeah it's rome georgia which is like hmm. it's, it's not like full rural it's probably got like twenty nine thousand people Oh, um, there's a couple like small Bible-y colleges and nice. the most famous thing about it nowadays is it is the home of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, um, so North, who lives, like North suburbs. Yeah, Northwest. Wow. She lives, yeah. her office when she was running, her campaign office was down on the street I grew up on and down the street, oh. down the door from my parents. And she would like drive like her Hummer through their neighborhood. And she had like the giant Trump flag behind oh. it. And we've seen, I've seen her so many times when I've been there. I just saw her driving by the other day when I was there. And one time me and Augie saw her in the barbecue restaurant that my parents like to have lunch at. And um, she, Augie like wanted to go, you know, give her a piece of his mind and, <laughs> um, my mom like grabbed him and was like, please don't. I love their mahi mahi. And so <laughs> we didn't. Um, but she's there. And um, uh, my my brother-in-law like used to be like, he goes to the gym. She was she was oh, going to that wow. gym. I don't think she's going to it anymore. But I mean, it's oh. she's just like around. Um, so but it's weirdly a kind of what's weird about the town though is it's like it's that and it's very much like a lot of that um but it's also like 
this cool small there is very much a liberal community they've been doing yeah. they have like a gay pride that like thousands of people go to ah. for the past couple oh. years there's a mexican restaurant that does a drag brunch um oh. like on the same block as that barbecue restaurant that marjorie taylor green goes to like it's so it's this weird it's a weird strange place um and there's like really thriving always has been thriving community theater there like multiple yeah. competing theater companies about wow. people who don't because i mean i'm from missouri but like, yeah. a, like a similar town that's like a suburb of st louis it's a small town it's conservative but it has a really strong liberal bent to it as well so like it's yeah. not fully but yet people on the coast i would say and people who don't know the midwest and the south they immediately think Trump, Bible, totally. crazy people. And it's like, totally. no, there's, there's actually both. real people living there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing that's interesting is like, you know, you like my parents' neighborhood itself, like you'll drive through like during the election, you drove through and it literally was like every other house was a different was like mm. red, blue, red, blue, red, blue. And it the whole town has that feeling. And I mean, you definitely see you know, big, horrible, you know, <laughs> displays of, you know, the words of, of contempt. Worst, yeah, yeah, all, yeah. Yeah. But I think there's also something to be said about those towns and the liberal people that live in them because it like they're they're kind of more punk and rock and roll than like yeah, anyone absolutely. else doing it, you know, and your, they're like yeah. fucking risking it all to do that. Are your parents like on the boho side? I don't know why I imagine that, but are they? Well, my mom, my mom is my mom is uh, like my mom like owned a women's clothing boutique when I was growing up oh. that was like very flowy. What and, was it you called? Know, ragtime boutique. Um, and um, she sold it when I was young and we they my dad's job we thought we were going to be trans that we were all gonna have to move to Tennessee for my dad's job um, and then he basically ended up my mom was like, I don't want to do that. And he basically, that's when he ended up working out of town and driving only home on the weekends. But um, so she's always been this like cool, like she was like, she dropped out of college, but she'd gone for art. You know, she's always yeah. been, she paints every day. Um, she's, she's boho. But I mean, you know, still Southern, loose yeah. town lady, yeah. but boho-y. Yeah. Um, my dad was like quite conservative when I was growing up, but very quirky and funny. Um, and in the past, I'd say in the past, like, 12 15 years he's become uh, quite evolved way more evolved and grounded and open-minded and like like he and augie talk like or text like every day and oh, i, like, I never really like, communicate with him like, yeah way more than you other. text with augie 100 <laughs> literally literally like they'll facetime when he's out of touch um um and they and the sex they have is even better too. You should see. It. Um, but, but I uh, no, but they're they're both really cool. I'm 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 a big fan of, of them. They're like we're we're that's one of those people that's like I really like hanging out with my parents. Like I went and spent. This is, this is truly gross. I went and spent like three and a half weeks with them this summer. Yeah, I don't, and I oh. don't. I mean, it sounds and in on paper it sounds like hell to me. But we just got in this. I did that instead of going to London with with Augie. Like what? Wow. I don't know why. <laughs> it was because I, I love bring, hanging out with my parents too. It's fun. I couldn't bring my dog. We couldn't bring Cheech yeah, to England. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. And so I was like, well, if he can't go, I'm not going. Um, which we've I've kind of got to work on that and figure those uh, <laughs> boundaries, boundaries right. dependencies out. But, um, before uh, I like yeah. Before we before you we wrap up. I have to ask, especially on behalf of Alan, what it was like to sh film a scene in Mac and Rita with Diane Keaton on oh the beach, God. no less. I mean, oh my Diane God. Keaton. Well, you know, I love, I mean, I'm a, I love, 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 love Diane Keaton. She's one of my faves of, um, and I, yeah, I mean, I truly have just have always been obsessed and, uh, I even went, I drove to Las Vegas once to a, a wine. She was signing bottles of her wine at a yeah. liquor store in the county yeah. outside of Vegas. I have, um, I have both of her bottles of wine on display. Oh I don't God. even know oh, wine, great. but I have them on display. Yeah. They're good. The white, not so good, but the red's pretty good. But um, yeah. the, you drink it with ice. You drink it with ice. But so yeah. then I was, it was so cool. My friend Katie Asselton, who directed um, Mac and Rita, um, had like randomly we were in it was so strange we were Augie and I were in the airport in New Zealand coming home after three I was there been there for three months and we're coming back to LA and she DMs me and she's like hey would you do a day in this movie I'm directing it's not a very big part you know the money's not great it's just like a day right da, da, da. um 
oh, by the way, the scene is just you and Diane Keaton on a beach. And I was like, I've never responded to a DM faster. Um, and that did not involve a dick pic. And I um, uh, then uh, got like dates. Well, then I like, we had to like go pack. We had to go to Georgia because Cheech was with my parents. And I was, and then we like drove cross country because I was, re I refused to fly because I was worried that if we flew and I got there and had COVID, I wouldn't be able yep. to shoot the movie. Oh, so we totally. like drove. I've like, I was like in rubber gloves, like the whole way across <laughs> the country, like full face shield. Um, and then, yeah, you know, we, then we had this like magical day and um, it was like this, whole, it was like this, it was just chaos too. Cause it was like super, super, super windy. They were having yeah, to like, yeah. uh, windy, like the weather, not Malik. And they had, they were like having to like cut shots and stuff. And uh, it, she was just everything you want Diane Keaton to be. She and I, were, we kind of like got into this rhythm of kind of like punching, not like physically, but kind of like, yeah. oh, you're crazy. Like, I don't like you. You're, you know, kind of thing. Because my character is supposed to be getting on her nerves. And um, oh, that's fine, she, man. oh, it was just, oh, it was just, uh, it was. I'm going to text you my that favorite is... Diane Keaton. There's a Diane Keaton video. It's the stupidest video I think I've ever seen in my life. It's Diane Keaton and Sarah Paulson in a parking garage leaving a concert, I presume, a, like a teeny bop concert. And there's like 40, 14 year old girls just around them, just around them. And both of them are laughing hysterically. Diane Keaton's <laughs> trying to cover her face. Sarah Paulson's laughing at Diane Keaton. And all of the 14 year old girls are freaking out, not because they're Sarah Paulson and Diane Keaton, but because they know something weird's happening. Oh, weird. Yeah. Send me that video, Alan, please. I wanna, yeah. Yeah, it was a wild video. I'm going to find it. I'm gonna Put find that on it. Pornhub while you're at it. <laughs> I know, I will, I will. <laughs> Jeffrey, um, thank you so much for being here. We could talk to you forever, and uh, I'm glad really we finally got it on the books. Me. And where would you like people to follow you on the internet? Um, It's at Jeffrey Self on Instagram, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-E-L-F. Um, Has it I'm, always been the E, or did you put that in when you were doing um, your like own a Like a Barbara kind of thing? No, um, I, my mom, uh, my mom's story is that she, I was supposed to be named Oliver and then she couldn't remember that when she had had me cause she was on a lot of pain medicine and my dad was out of the room and she remembered the nice, this guy who was really nice to her in high school named Jeffrey and she wrote his name, but she misspelt it. And so that's oh, wow. that is so uh, funny. Um, I mean, so I don't know. Funny. She could be, she could be making that up. I don't, but either way it, 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 it works. We'll go with it. Oh, oh thank you so much. Um, Thanks so much, Jeffrey. All right. Thank y'all. It's really nice to see all three of another thing so we uh elliot and i often are uh venting about uh the downsides of single life on the podcast um so we thought we would take a, a brief reprieve from that for one week and and, and <laughs> just one. maybe speak to yeah just one uh <laughs> maybe speak to some of the listeners who actually are in relationships or are curious about alan's relationship oh, i thought it would be kind of fun to hear about Alan's first date with Michael. We've, of course, heard lots about Michael on the podcast. Yeah. And I do remember from when I knew you then that your date with him was like a transcendent experience, I would well, say. It seemed like it was a really positive thing. It was thing. positive. I don't know if I would say transcendent because transcendent to me is very <laughs> religious. I don't know mm -hmm. if I would say that. Um, but that's funny. Are people, what, is anyone actually interested in hearing about I am. my relationship? I don't think so. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so how it started. It was on Instagram, and it was a long buildup and a lot of back and forth angst on my side, because obviously, because I didn't know him very well. Um, and he was on Project Runway at the time, and we just kind of were back and forth. And it just so happened that I was going to be in San Francisco at the same time that he was going to be in San Francisco. That's where he's from. And so we, it wasn't really even a date. It, I mean, it was, but we, we met up. I had the hotel, and you know, we got to know each other and it was, it was sort of one of those things where like you, the build up to it, you know, and then when it happens and you're like, oh, it clicked. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It wasn't that, it wasn't like immediate, obviously, like he didn't move in the next day or anything, but it was, it was a, it was like a, okay, this is something kind of yeah. moment. And, and, you know, I hadn't really felt, I mean, I had felt that before, but not in that way. Um, and then yeah. of course, you know, a long time passed and then he moved to LA, but not because of me, because he was moving here for work. And so it was, you know, a lot of factors were involved in that 
conversation. Uh, what? Let me throw let me throw this out real quick because I think this is relevant to a lot of people. Certainly, even my own life, but I think a lot of single people. You guys, if you don't mind me saying, as I remember, you guys were text incompatible at first. Yes. So Michael is not expressive on text. Mm -hmm. You are. Yeah. And I remember Elliot and I interpreted Michael's incompatibility with you as perhaps signs of disinterest. Yeah. And and it's it's an interesting lesson because I think it's an important one where, of course, a lot of times when there is text incompatibility that it's rooted in disinterest. Yeah. And that's fair. But or also sometimes rather, not. it's it's rooted in your your perception of the narrative of disinterest because you are only believing the narrative you're creating in your head. Like, sure. And it's it's it becomes this sort of and I get it. I mean, I, I had that, too. Like, it just it's it's a, it's a really difficult thing to get out of. Um, yeah, there was a lot of like the communication thing was like a weird back and forth. But once it hit, it kind of just worked you know what I mean because I mm -hmm. got I got the I got how he worked and I got sort of how you know he got how I worked and now of course it's been a constant communication yeah, since, since right, from from right. the beginning so I mean even to the point where we're texting from different rooms now um but it is a it, it is like a different it's it's a weird to me it's like a it, it was a big lesson in the things we think people are thinking about us is not necessarily what's actually happening. And so if you completely base your reactions and emotions and everything on the narrative that you're making up in your own head, and it's important to remember that it is only happening in your head. And yes, yeah, sometimes it might be true. Sometimes they might actually be a horrible person. <laughs> it's not a match or whatever it is, yeah. but it's like, you can't, completely dismiss it until you actively engage in it. And then when you find out for yourself that they're a horrible person or not. And it, and that was a, that was a big lesson for me that like, you know, you spend so long being single. Cause at the time I had spent so long being single and, or actively single. I mean, I had dated here and there and done a bunch of things, but like, you know, I wasn't in, in a relationship. And, um, what it taught me was that uh, as just a, as a storyteller and as a person, the type of people that we are, like I made up this narrative in my head for kind of, yeah, you're, you have a verbal drive. You want to know you're curious. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> that's how I think all three of us are. And so Michael is very much cerebral, but also like, like what's the right way to put it? Like he's, he's, he's minimal and he, he yeah. thinks before he speaks, yeah. as, which is my, my mom, my mom says, I don't, yeah. but um, I don't think any of us do, you know, I mean, honestly, right. I and don't. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I think there's something that, yeah, to be said about that, where it's like one of us or all of us might experience that initially like a dis, like disinterest, yeah. but it's actually just his personality. It's not a judgment of you. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of a, it's yeah. You just kind of learn like about, you learn more about yourself in the process, I find. Like, it wasn't so much anything he did or how he did. You know what I mean? It was, I learned more about sort of, like, how I react to things and how I am, I can be really impulsive about, oh, well, if someone doesn't get back to me in this amount of time, it must mean X, Y, and Z, when in reality, it doesn't mean any of those things. And yeah. you just have to give it time and be patient. And sometimes it goes the distance and sometimes it doesn't, but it's like... For me, I was really glad that I was patient in uh, I was I was definitely had anxiety, but I was patient in the process and was like, OK, well, because of that feeling that I had because of that first date, it was it was like, OK, I, I I'm actively investing in the possibility that my heart might be broken, but it is worth it because of that moment. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, of and, course. And but I but I don't think I figured that out at the time. I don't think I knew that at the time. I just kind of like leaned into it a little bit. And now I look back and I'm like, when did I really know that like he was a good mm -hmm. person? You know what I mean? Like he was like a, a good thing. And I think it was at Cheesecake Factory here in Los Angeles. We went on, we, he had just moved to Los Angeles and we went to go see Coco and then went to Cheesecake Factory or maybe Cheesecake before, I forget. And he was maybe like, before and after. I don't who know. knows? Yeah, probably. And he was obsessively nice to the wait staff. And it was like this sort of like, you know, uh, very much like, thank you, please. Uh, like all of the things. And it was just sort of that was a big, a big sort of like, OK, this is this is someone I can. Uh, there's something there that we relate in. Cause that's how I am, too. And then um, also there was another one where we were at his the place he was staying at at the time. I forget where he was living. 
And I was there and he was like on the, he was on the phone with his sisters or something. And they, they did something that was really funny. And he had this like gut laugh that was just like obsessive. And it went on for like five minutes to the point where he, he could, he kept saying he couldn't breathe. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't breathe because he was oh laughing God, so wow. hard, which is, that's how he gets when he really, when something's really funny. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, I need more of this in my life. I, this is, yeah. I need, I need this in my life. I don't know how this is going to work, but it needs to be a constant. You know, I always say it happens about once a year for me that I meet someone on an app or wherever and they I like them enough. They check off enough boxes and I meet them and and they seem to also be you can just tell instantly that they're on a similar wavelength mm -hmm. and that you that you'll very likely have common ground and and that you're like, OK, I'm going to invest in this one. Yeah. And whether it pays off or not, I don't know. Yeah. And sometimes that that one only you only end up, end up I'm sorry, you only end up seeing them one one or two more times. Yeah. And then sometimes obviously they turn into something more meaningful. But like it happens, at least for me, in my experience, it's like once a year um, through all the matches or whatever that you have or the people you meet at bars or whatever. It's like once a year that you meet someone, you're like, oh, I think we're on similar la similar wavelengths and yeah. that we could make this work if we both try. It's so interesting, though, because I don't really think I ever because, I mean, our wavelengths were so different. I mean, in terms of where we where we were in our lives, what you know, I mean, I'm a little bit older. So like there's lots of like there's lots of like <laughs> there's lots of little areas in which it should not have been a match. You know what I mean? And especially yeah. our fields of work and like what we do and all of the things. And it just, it, um, so I don't know if I even got the similar wavelength until I was deep into it, but there were like little signs of, oh, okay, there are some value systems here that I think, and also I think his family, how close he was to his family and how his family is very similar to my family in terms of being blue, blue collar and being just sort of like regular, like they have, we have the similar interests in that capacity. Like we relate to things and we react to things in the similar way because of our background. So, mm -hmm. but also very differently too, because you know he's, he's Mexican American. Yeah. Like he's different. There's the, I, there's, a, oh, there's like you. a different. There's a different. There's a different life that I have never had lived. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's a it's it's different but similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds great, and I wish you guys lots of luck. <laughs> oh, Goodbye. Thanks. We in this house, we love love. <laughs> That's so cheesy. That's a Gail King sign off. What would your aunt say? Okay, Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? You can let Tim Scott know, I only vote for sluts. <laughs> My Aunt Joanne would say, you know, maybe if Tim Scott wasn't so obsessed with Jesus, he might find an actual girl he likes. <laughs> How about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would also be about Tim Scott. She would say... I'm sorry, you can't vote for a virgin. You do not want a virgin with their finger on that nuclear button. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye.